this whole situation is killing me. I just, you were just here. I know. I know. And it's so cold here. (laughs) And I just want to go back to being able, I want to go back to being able to sit outside and especially being able to sit outside where the second it drops below 75 degrees, all the restaurants turn on heaters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really, I do love that. I love sitting outside at a restaurant with the heater directly over me. Yes, I insisted on that our first night there. Oh, okay. So (laughs) Tracy's first night visiting, we went out to eat with a bunch of folks and it was this really lovely round table outside. And I was specifically trying to position myself so that Tracy would take the left seat closest to the heater. It's because I always sit to the left of Rowan because I'm left-handed. So my instinct is to sit on the outer edge of a table so my left hand doesn't bump into the person. I was like, I got you, fam. I know the assignment. Let's go. (laughs) Also, I want to be close to the heater by proxy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then poor Tyler had to sit on the other side of the table because we forgot to save him a spot. Listen, he is an extrovert in a way that almost defies logic. Uh, He could have made friends with people at a table in the other room of the restaurant just (laughs) sitting in that chair. That's so true. (laughs) So, you know, the Willing and Fable team divided and conquered as the meal required, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I miss you, though. Okay, so... Everyone who follows Willing and Fable on the internet in any form knows that Tracy and I went to the Getty. Mm-hmm. We did. I loved going to the Getty. It's – to me, it's like this modern palace, like, I don't know, thing on top of a hill. Like, it's all modern architecture, but it's so high up and it feels so expansive. Mm-hmm. And there's the gardens. It's like, yeah, it, it's a modern – palace but i wasn't sure and i didn't realize the types of art that was in the getty and they've got everything yeah everything so i was geeking out over illustrated manuscripts from the 1300s yep <laughs> they're so cool and and they have uh, modern photography and modern art and everything in between we visited a couple of my favorite paintings it was a good time that was super inspirational which I don't know. That might surprise people because we are not a visual medium primarily. But I just felt like I – I don't know what it was. I couldn't articulate it, but I felt like I absorbed so much, like a little sponge. I think because so much of the art that we were drawn to while we were there was depictions of mythology. (laughs) (laughs) Very predictable. Yeah. I mean, it's very us. We each picked up a mythology book. Oh, my God. Tell that story. (laughs) <laughs> the story is that we were in the gift shop, and I'm looking at postcards and prints, which I got some prints that are already hanging in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and from across the room, I see this blue book with gold lettering that says, I think it's called Mythology and Folklore. I think it's yeah, it's just got simple a title. super simple name. So obviously, I beeline over to it. And I pick it up. I'm like, well, this is a really hefty hardcover book with gold on it. It's really beautiful. This is going to be so expensive. Nope. You made me guess how much it cost. Mm-hmm. And I was so wrong. I made you guess and then later we made Tyler guess. 
And all three of us thought it would be like a 60 to $80 book. No, it was like 25 bucks. Yeah, and the way that this book is laid out is just, it's just so useful. So neither Tracy nor I have it in front of us. So we will throw it on our recommendations page because I, I've already started using it. And that is why I cannot find it. Whew. Same. <laughs> <laughs> if that isn't the most realistic us thing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mine is down two flights of stairs because I was using it while researching while sitting on my couch last night. We had a house guest and, you know, I wanted to show it off, basically. I mm -hmm. I wanted to geek out <laughs> about books. Um, I will also say since you've gone, my outfits have gotten dramatically less cute. Like, you came and I was like, okay, cool, we're doing this. And then the second you left, I turned into a potato. <laughs> Same. Ron and I are both wearing sweatshirts right now. I mean... Oh, I could have said turned into a pumpkin. Oh, I really missed the boat on that. Oh. Everyone, 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 pretend. Pretend that didn't happen. Tracy, the second you left, I turned back into a pumpkin. Oh, man, what a great analogy that you just nailed. <laughs> First try. <laughs> First try is amazing. We do everything right on the first try on this podcast. Hi, I'm Rowan Hall. Hi, I'm Tracy Harrison. And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating on the first try. <laughs> one take. That's us. Casey called herself one take cake. <laughs> I think that's carrying on. Okay. If you want to support Willing and Fable, Take a second and download the episode that you're listening to right now if your listening device or podcast app allows for it. It is fast, it's free, and it's really helpful for us. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That's so handy. We really appreciate it. You can check out willingandfable.com for some super fun merch that we've made. Uh, everyone knows a super soft, proud hag sweatshirt is probably going to be the Christmas gift of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're projecting it to be the number one gift for the christmas season so get on that train it's all over buzzfeed <laughs> <laughs> or you could be wonderful like nimra a and lexi m yes the same lexi who sent us the amazing hot chocolate recipe and you can become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com slash willing and fable so thank you for joining our Willing and Fable family. Thank you both so much. It is patrons like you two and the rest of the Willing and Fable family that makes it possible for us to have this second season at all. We really love getting to connect with you guys uh, in real time. That's mm -hmm. a privilege we never really considered when we first started this. So thank you guys for just jumping in both feet. And of course... You can support us by standing on a high cliff overlooking a stormy gray sea and imagining a life on the waves in a creaky old ship. But no matter what you do, we appreciate you. Tracy, that is such like a little Easter egg detail from the story I'm about to tell you. Good job. And I wrote it before I knew anything about the story you wrote. Did you really? We were, yeah, we were just really connected. All right, that ESP. Um, hey, by the way, the holidays are so super close, so 
you know, proud hag hoodies. You know what else is the thing to get this season? Greenleaf Geek gear for mm-hmm. your TTRPG games. It is so important to support small businesses when you can, so consider supporting the companies that support our podcast. Leah makes exquisite, exquisite, handcrafted, handcrafted, custom resin dice. Ooh, custom. <laughs> Rowan and I each have two sets. Two. Two. Each have two. I currently use um, the one she made for Thea for my um, blue bird boy himbo character. Oh, yeah, baby. ASMR. Ooh, those are some good sounding dice. That's my green leaf geek dice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> she also curates other dice and gaming supplies that are so cool. And she is part of what makes the TTRPG world really accessible for newbies and seasoned pros alike. She's the best part of the nerd community. And we're so happy to have her supporting our podcast. And of course, check out the dice that she named for our ongoing story, which I'm about to tell you the next chapter of. There are dice called the Wizard, the Rogue, there's Noble Magician, and there's even a Blood Oath set. We love that so much. It's the most flattering thing ever in the whole world. (laughs) It really is. It still (laughs) makes me all squidgy to think that something that came out of our brains is now available as merch through someone else. It's just so cool. So go check out at GreenleafGeek on Instagram and Twitter, and when you visit GreenleafGeek.com, use our coupon code FABLE, that's F-A-B-L-E, for 10% off your order. Some restrictions apply. Woo! All right. Okay, so chapter six of The Wizard and the Rogue. We started this whole thing out where Tracy and I, like, didn't tell each other what's going to go on in the next chapter, but that is totally out the window because I need help. Um, (laughs) So Tracy and I talked about this while she was in town, Mm -hmm. and then I wrote it, and then she read it, but there wasn't really a rehearsal process, so I imagine the dialogue will feel all shiny and new. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, Trace. Give us like a quick recap, just a little update. All right, really, really high-level recap. I mean, this should not be your first Wizard and Rogue episode, but if it is, here's what's happened. Our two gals met in a sea tavern, got arrested together, were in jail, escaped from jail. Uh-oh, Thea got stabbed through the chest and was dying. Rosalind didn't really care because she was halfway across the prison trying to escape, but realized she couldn't escape without Thea's help. So she ran back and found a dying Thea performed a blood oath in order to save Thea's life and get them both out of there, but uh uh-oh, didn't do the words great, and now is is stuck protecting Thea because she swore to protect and save Thea, and someone is after Thea, and we don't know who. Last chapter, we met Eamon and Mariana Blackthorne, who are Thea's parents, and we learned that Thea isn't just some... Street wizard. She is a very... (laughs) How am I doing? (laughs) She is a very fancy noble wizard whose father is one of the most powerful men in the entire country. And we learned that there are seven saints. And her father and her brother both serve two of the saints. But she has no relationship with them and we don't know why. All right. I think you did the thing. Yeah, so where we left them off was they were on their way. They they realized they needed to go to the library at La Serra in order to see what they can find out about blood oaths and try and break 
the bond between them. Because it's not an adventure if you don't have to go to a library. Every adventure starts at a library. <laughs> Those are the rules, <laughs> as dictated by the mummy. Yes. All right, are you ready for me to do this thing? Let's do it. I'm so excited. For a hired killer to have the moral high ground... Things need to have gone very, very wrong. That's why Rosalind was particularly happy to indulge in the luxury of her righteousness after being stabbed. Thea puttered around the small apartment, looking as if she were packing for a fortnight's journey rather than a scholarly errand. She scooped up small vials, pouches of herbs, all sorts of knickknacks and papers, and no matter how much she stuffed into her satchel, it never seemed to grow in proportion with its burden. In the beginning, Rosalind made a great show of lounging around, uninterested in the wizard's goings-on. Occasionally, she would check that new flushed pink scar that marred her skin, one gash among many silvery marks. And each time she did, Thea's neck straightened, just a bit, with starched determination. Guilt. Embarrassment. These emotions were powerful and afforded Rosalind the high ground. No matter how small the gain, she would not squander her new power. And Thea's head swirled with hot frustration. The young wizard had too much anger and not enough information, and she needed to find a way to get ahead of murder attempts and undo the blood oath. Not to mention there was her newfound bodyguard, who was lying on the floor absently twirling a curl of blonde hair. As Thea continued gathering her things, she forced herself to narrow her focus, going through an old practice from her childhood. She thought, I can taste tea. I can smell floral perfume and the corner bake shop. I can touch my bag, my books, and my softest quill. I can hear my steady breathing, my boots on the floor, a bird by the window, and the pub below. I can see my unmade bed, my broken window, my broken chair, my shattered teapot, and Rosa- What are you doing? Thea said, reading. In a room filled with books, you choose one of my correspondences. Mm, you have wonderful handwriting. Thea sighed and went back to her hunt for a bit of quartz. When I try. Rosalind, who, still lying on the floor, was absently plucking letters from the pile that had fallen during their scuffle. Most of them were past due bills for what seemed to be magician's supplies. We'll be making a stop on the way. They took the majority of my weapons in prison, and I'll need something more than a few knives to keep you alive. You'll have to wait. We're going to the library. Rosalind sat up. I think you're taking my abilities for granted. I cannot continue stopping assassination attempts with a letter opener. I'm sorry. Thea turned to Rosalind and, despite her indignance, sort of meant the apology. We can't go tromping around whatever underworld alley you use to buy swords. We need to get to Lacera before the library closes. Thea, you're travelling with a woman renowned for her ability to sneak. If you're renowned for your ability to sneak, you can't be very good at doing your job. 
Rosalind said nothing. Touché. I want to speak to the librarian. Well, well, the assistant. It doesn't matter. We need to go. Theo was trying to locate a last few items so they could get on their way, but she could not seem to find a jar of cat eyelashes. Gods, I'm going to have to keep you alive with a butter knife next. It was that comment that led to Thea's shock minutes later when the assassin handed her the only sharp knife in the apartment. It was a sad excuse for a blade, but still the deadliest piece of metal among her meager practical possessions. Here, Rosalind thrust out her hand, blade up. Hold this for me and try not to injure yourself. The assassin watched as Thea shrugged into a long blue robe and carefully slid the knife into the inner left pocket. Rosalind was both baffled and unsurprised to see the blade disappear into a space that defied her understanding of pockets. I could take over the world with pockets like that. Rosalind laughed as she slipped the ever-useful letter opener down the shaft of her booth. Yes, of course. You can take my things. Thea raised an eyebrow, though she supposed it didn't matter. Rosalind was using the letter opener to protect her, to great success, and looters would be by to take anything they left behind now that her window was broken. This is the blade, now lovingly called Return to Sender. Rosalind said the phrase with no small amount of sly reverence. At Thea's confusion, she continued, Well, you have to name your blades. A named weapon performs much better than an unnamed one. Rosalind explained herself so simply, the wizard wondered if the girl's superstition was rooted in any of the more traditional minor magics. Something to look into later. And this, Rosalind grinned, holding up a dull silver spoon, is so nobly called Just Desserts. What could you possibly do with that? Thea couldn't even remember the last time she'd used that spoon herself. Well, I can accomplish more with a spoon than I can without one. Thea smiled and watched Rosalind buckle her thick brown belt over her shoulder. And what's this, then? The tight spot? <laughs> Don't be silly, Thea. It's just a belt. The library of the Lacera School for Noble Magic was a very long way from Thea's home, the towering building was made from a rusty redstone that must have been delivered from a very far-off country. Westfall was situated on the edge of an impossibly high, shockingly steep, gloomily gray cliff. The cliff's edge being particularly defensible in time of need. The further east one traveled, the lower into the valley. The lower into the valley, the more impoverished the citizens. Lacera, made up of numerous foreboding buildings, was the school highest on the cliff, thus highest on the food chain, and of course, highest of tuition. If a powerful noble had a magical practitioner in the family, they were sent to Lacera to learn the precise alchemical workings of wizards. There were formulas and theorems, symbols and scripts, charms and spells and incantations— on the east side of Westfall, where education was paid for in loaves of bread or physical labor, one could only hope to achieve the minor magic that might assist daily chores, like lighting a dark home or tidying a doorstep. 
To travel from Thea's cheap apartment to the Lacera school meant the pair had to walk uphill nearly the entire length of the city. Saint of service, save me from this hill. Rosalind sighed heavily, though she still kept pace just ahead of Thea. They were close now. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. We sealed a blood oath, the bond from which allowed you to heal my wound using your... health. However, your wording was imprecise, and someone is still after my life, thus rendering you incapable of saving it. So, we're still bound, and in the meantime, neither of us can harm or kill the other, intentionally, as killing someone would be a great way to escape an oath. Congratulations, Thea. You've summarized our entire relationship thus far. That, that is incredibly powerful magic. Incredibly aggravating, I've found. Who taught you to do that? Do you always go around sealing things in blood? What other magic do you know? In lieu of an answer, Rosalind merely checked the street signs within the winding merchant district and led the pair down a narrow alley. Thea was quiet for a very long time, puzzling her way through this information from every angle she could think of. Also, she definitely still had a concussion. Meanwhile, the working buildings made way for large residential homes, and some of the alleys now had neat stairs to manage the persistent elevation. What happens if someone does kill me? I die. I swore on my lifeblood I would save you. If you're dead, even the saints will agree you're past saving. Thea made no expression, and they continued on for another long stretch of silence. Then... What if someone kills you? What? Rosalind sounded as if she'd never considered the possibility. If someone kills you... Do I also die? The wizard's voice was rising with worry. The girl was an assassin. She was in an industry with a particularly high mortality rate. Rosalind turned and said without slowing her pace, Look at you. You're catching on to this blood oath thing very quickly. She smirked and turned away, quickening her pace a bit. Thea suddenly realized that if she wanted to protect herself... She now needed spells and defenses that could cover not only her body, but also Rosalind's. She didn't speak for the rest of their arduous trip, and Rosalind couldn't say she minded. But when Lacera's library finally loomed above them, the assassin added, You would be long dead in a dark prison if it weren't for me. I know. Thea paused, straightening her long school robe and tidying her hair. Thank you for that. Byron Bechet was the type of boy whose every expression was a variation of anxiety. He was six foot five inches of reed-thin nervousness. His eyes took up most of his face, not because they were particularly large, but because anyone coming to speak with him was inevitably greeted by wide-eyed surprise when they startled from the pages of a book. 
which is exactly what happened when Thea loomed over his small desk near the front of the library. Hello, Byron. The boy nearly yelped with surprise when he saw her. Oh, Thea! Oh, suffering saints! Thea! Byron leapt up and grabbed the girl's arm, pulling her into the shadow of a bookshelf and out of sight. Thea was pleased to see he could still be relied upon to move quickly, no matter the goal. What are you doing here? You'll be in a world of trouble if anyone realizes you're an ex-student. How did you get in? Byron was absolutely beside himself with nervous energy, and now that she was relatively hidden, Thea was allowing herself a moment to take in the library. It was magnificent, shelves of books as high as a balder birch and as far as the eye could see, golden ladders sweeping staircases, floor after floor of books climbing up to a ceiling painted with a map of the stars. And it was all locked away from the world for a few sables and seats and nobles' children to enjoy. Did you know that if you're wearing Lacera robes and holding a Lacera book, borrowed from the library properly, that you meet enough of the qualifications to cheat the ward? Thea grinned at her own cleverness and held up the small book she'd brought from her apartment. Cramming two people into the robe was a bit of a fuss, but we managed. Rosalind seemed to melt from the shadows behind Byron. Several saints, who are you? Thea, for her part, was completely unsurprised by Rosalind's appearance. It was a cheap trick, popping out behind the already frightened boy, but gods be damned, Rosalind really needed that morale boost. Rosalind, this is Byron. He's the assistant librarian, and he'll become a sable of study one day if the librarian doesn't chain him to the desk. Byron, this is Rosalind. She... Thea paused unwilling to reveal her companion's particularly menacing status. She's my associate. Two people! You got two people in here using a robe and a book! Byron grabbed a handful of Thea's school uniform and scoffed. She shouldn't even have it anymore. Funnily enough, the sneaking in after the ward had been the dicey part, Rosalind immediately disappeared, which left Thea standing just inside the massive doors to the library, trying to whisper shout to find her. She quickly realized her companion had gone rogue, so she adjusted her uniform and tried to look like a student. Thea took the most direct route, walking the expansive marble floors past the golden statue of the Saint of Study, around the study desks, avoiding a group of snickering boys. Thea! She turned to see a former classmate waving from a nearby desk. Jeremiah! Hi! Hello! She smiled with too many teeth and, in her panic, ended up doing a sort of pantomime with the book in her hand. It, it was a series of pointing and hand-waving and shrugging all meant to convey that she was so swamped with studying she couldn't possibly stay to chat. <laughs> so, the plan to this point had gone shockingly well. This was going to be the hard part. Byron, don't be such a fuss. Thea pulled Byron deeper into the shadow of the bookcase and put her hand on the boy's arm, smiling reassuringly. He relaxed a bit under her gaze. 
Why are you here? Tell me you just want to check out a few books on the morality of the use of coffin nails and regeneration spells. Rosalind smirked. I need you to help me gain access to the heretical texts. Thea wouldn't have thought it possible, but she watched Byron's eyes get even wider than she'd ever seen. Oh, of course you do. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. I cackled uh, <laughs> when I first read the line about the belt. I'm like, no, it's just a belt. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh, God, what was the other one that killed me? Oh, the cramming two people into a rope bit. I don't know why that cracks you up so much. <laughs> yeah, because it implies so much without saying very much. It implies, like, them having, like, to shove each arm into the robe and squeeze together and force their way through, but do it in a sneaking way. Right. Who's the back of the robe? Who's the front of the robe? Who gets to be the head? <laughs> well, yeah. Or are they doing, like, the this is our get along shirt situation where it's, like, <laughs> it's Thea's right arm in the right sleeve, but Rosalind's left arm in the left sleeve, right. and they're squished in the middle? It's, like, it's so good. Oh my god, it's so fun! It just presents so many possibilities that are so funny without ruining it by giving you too much information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, I just love the idea of a very badass assassin who's like, I always name my blades these stupid little puns. <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm, mm hmm. And shout out, uh, shout out for for the reference to Jeremiah, who was yeah, our first patron, first ever patron. I needed a name, so it was the perfect choice. He is now canonically a student at the Lacera School of Magic. Yes, thank you for supporting the podcast from the beginning. I hope you enjoy your time at Lacera. Your being there means you're exceedingly wealthy in in this universe, and I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> So I, <laughs> the first, the very first thing that I wrote in this chapter was Rosalind saying, I can do more with a spoon than I can't without one. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what she's going to do with the spoon. <laughs> but she's got to do something impressive because that was something that you were really excited about. You knew this entire chapter was built around the idea of the spoon and just desserts. I hate, I hate telling people this because then they know that, I, like, I'm just writing as a total, I'm just a boob. Like, I'm just, like, they're going to do this quippy line and then the rest is gravy. Like, oh, yeah. Rowan, you mean the plot is gravy? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's just how it is. It's this, uh, Rowan and I were talking about it before we hit record. You always come into these chapters as the author with a plan and an idea and the second you start writing, they, Rosalind and Thea, do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're annoying. They're so annoying, those two little brats. <laughs> I love yeah. that Thea, though, is now in a position where she can, like, be her, her scholarly, brought-up, nobly, like, schmoozy, mm -hmm. charming self. She's finally in her element. I love it so much. Me too. This is a fun place for them to have, and I love Byron. He's he's such a nervous little boy. Oh, I know. Don't you just want to give him a snack? 
I don't know. I I worry. I don't know. Do you encounter this? There, everything feels so tropey, but like that's also part of the fun. Yeah. I mean, I listen. I love a good trope. I do. I do. I love it. I love breaking it too. I love you know turning them on their heads. But sometimes you love a good trope. I think I'm gonna need you to draw Rosalind and Thea in their get along robe. <laughs> I can do that. I made a quick little meme of that for Rowan this morning because it just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Fan art, but made by you. So yeah, I was talking to Jamie after I read the chapter, and I was like, "There's this moment in it where they both have to be in the same robe at the same time." And Jamie, without even missing a beat, went, "Oh, is it their get along robe?" Okay, what is that? Because I'd never heard that before. You. <laughs> It was just this meme of a dad that I think it was I think it was a dad. I don't know all the details, but basically when the kids were fighting, they had this ex, extra extra large t-shirt that said our get along shirt and the kids had to wear it with both heads poking through the middle and one arm out one side and one arm out the other until they stopped fighting and got along. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's so funny. I feel like that's higher level parenting because you can put them in the get along shirt and just turn them out into the yard and then be free of them for a while. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I sent you the picture of the two girls in the this is our get along shirt and I just put the word robe over shirt. Oh my gosh. Hey, speaking of higher level parenting, I read a tweet mm -hmm. that kind of I've been chewing on all week. It was a dad talking about how he heard and then implemented the idea that when his daughters would do something that he was proud of, instead of saying, I'm so proud of you, he would say, aren't you proud of yourself? Because it instills this idea mm. that you're, the value comes from you rather than someone else's approval. I love that. My sister does the thing of, instead of saying to my nephews, like, you're so smart, Saying, like, that was a really smart thing you did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and not putting it on either you are or you aren't smart or you are or you aren't good. The actions define. Right. Yes. When I'm with um, kids, I always – I don't – I try not to say be careful. Instead, I say, you know, be aware of the edge or mm -hmm. notice that's hot because be careful if it used too often, it can just cause so much fear rather than mm – -hmm saying when you're aware you are more prepared this is parenting with willing and fable we are two young women who do not have kids no but sometimes i tell my dog to make good choices sometimes i tell myself to make good choices <laughs> all right okay rowan why don't you um tell me something good yes i'm so glad you started because that means I get to just go first and be like, my something good was you coming here. I know. I know. I, was, I, I did that. I wanted you to have the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It, and there's that question of like, do I want to wait and be the person who says it or do I want it to be said? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But Tell no, me more I, about why me visiting was so good. It was so good. <laughs> it was like adult sleepover party vibes. Um, In such the adult way, we both kept being tired and being like, peace i'm going to bed <laughs> yeah it was very tiring we just were so busy and yeah. we were just we are always on the same page it's just we had diet a moment where we we're both like wanna wanna get a diet coke mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in the middle of Multiple being at the museum moments. and we just had <laughs> yeah. to stop we had so much fun at the museum we had so much good food i 
am so bummed now because, listen, y'all, when Tracy's here, she does my makeup for me and she plays with my hair. And <laughs> I am not a super fan of other people doing either of those things. But oh my gosh, there is nothing better than someone like brush, brush, brushing your cheek or like, mm-hmm. like playing with your hair and putting it all up. Ugh. It never leave. That was so fun. I always love getting to do people's hair and makeup, so it's always equally as fun for me. Come back to me. Actually, it's me next. I come over to you next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have so much fun, and I'm so excited, and it's going to be so cold, and uh, get ready for that. <laughs> I'll get us a get-along coat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or a Snuggie, a get-along Snuggie. That works, too. That works, too. Also a good option. All right, Tracy, tell me something good. All right. So you took the general visiting. Um, I mean, I didn't take it. (laughs) (laughs) It was really great to visit you. I've got two. I mean, obviously the big one was getting to do our photo shoot (gasps) with Chris. Ah! Oh, my God. Rowan and I planned and planned and planned and planned for this shoot, which I think really did us a great service. All the prep work we did because then we were able to be really flexible on the day of. Yeah, We got a couple of looks that we didn't even really expect because we just had a lot of options and plans. So we did a photo shoot with Chris, who is an ethereal fire on Instagram and Twitter, and he's exceptionally talented. And he takes photographs of folks and then basically paints them into a full-on classic Renaissance painting. Mm-hmm. And he just has such a creative, wonderful brain. And we... I booked him so long ago for us as like our big end of season two present almost. Um, And we came in with just so many ideas and he did not shy away from any of it. Thank goodness. No, thank goodness he didn't. It was, he said it was the most number of distinct different looks he'd done in a single session. Cause we did that thing and we did it. We just, The time that it took to prep was so fun when it could have been tedious. Mm -hmm. And we ordered two dresses that just did not come. Um, Nope, not even a little bit. But we came through that uh, Rowan happened to have this one black dress that my sister also happened to have bought. It was a big TikTok dress. I'm not shocked that you both found it. But between that and the fact that Lisa's – the bridesmaid's dress I wore to her wedding was so – beautiful and right. classic. And Sage from and Pixel Sage Circus. coming through with a dress you didn't even ask her for. She just, she knew. She knew it was what we needed. Yeah, and we, just that whole shoot was very much helped along by us knowing cool, kind people and... Yes, Kaylee giving us weapons, Charles renting us armor. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's just all a good time. So that was my first something good, was just how once in a lifetime it felt to get to do that shoot. What was it like being in front of the camera? Oh, very weird. Um, Chris is so good at directing, and Rowan was so good at standing behind Chris when it was just me without her, or even just standing next to me and saying, you're going to want to pull your elbow in. You'll be mad if you don't. You're going to want to point your toe. I know you. I know what you like, because you know what I like in pictures. I was trying not to do that <laughs> very no, it much. No, was, it was so helpful. I loved it. But it was definitely really unusual to be the one in front of the camera instead of behind it, but... It was so inspiring just watching what Chris does. Mm-hmm. I just want to wear fancy outfits. I want to do that for you. I want to take pictures of you in fancy outfits. I My, say that as someone who's full sweatpants out, you know. Same. 
All the time. Always. 100%. <laughs> the last little something that I have was that I have not stopped thinking about that chocolate cake, that chocolate mud pie oh. creamy cake <laughs> that we got from the cafe near your house. Rowan, I can't mm-hmm. stop thinking about it. I know. It's the best. I feel very lucky that I live in Los Angeles and have access to dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate mud pie. Mm. And it's, I would not call it a traditional chocolate mud pie. It was definitely more of a chocolate cream layered pie. I don't know. It was so good. It was like a dense French silk pie almost. Yes. Oh, my God. It was so good. All the food we have is so good. So the food in LA is also my something good because it was so delicious. So delicious. I'm glad we could spoil you with yummy things to eat. I feel like when I travel, I really just want every mouthful to be extra good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was delicious. And it was pretty easy traveling both directions. I'm now back home and it's cold. I'm so jealous. Why are we like this? Why is this this way? Good, good. I don't know why we're like this. I was spinning in circles in the sunshine in LA, and Rowan was skulking in the shade. Oh, in the yeah. heat. I'm happy for you. It makes me happy when you come to LA, though, because you do that, and you should. It's it's good. It's good. I'm glad for you. <laughs> I'm excited for you to come back. I, uh, you know, it might even be snowing by the time you get back. It's really cold lately it's supposed to look like there's snow coming i am so excited my parents are like it better not snow and i'm over here like the the house has a fireplace that's long enough that you could cook a person laid out lengthwise what do you mean you hope it doesn't snow like i want it all baby i want winter wonderland stuck in the house with a book like Honestly, like full Hallmark movie. Yes, but here's my secret plan. Okay. Okay. So when the snow is coming, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you up and be like, hey, Trace, can I come over for like a movie night? I'm going to come over and then it's going to snow so much that that I can't drive home because that would be unsafe. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to wake up and have like a full on snow day like adult version. I have a fireplace. It's not quite as long as your parents, but I do have a fireplace. But I want that like classic kid snow day where you wake up and you're like, yay, everything's like snowy and you don't have to do anything. But yeah, we're I want that snow. too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. We'll hang out, watch hot cocoa, chill on the couch. Watch hot cocoa? Watch hot cocoa. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what? Yes. We're going to watch it. We're just going to stand. Let little Malcolm boy go out in the snow. Oh my god, he's gonna love it. He has never experienced snow before, but he's built for it. I know. That's girl, that's why I'm trying to be there. Like I have this plan. I wanna be there when the puppy is in the snow for the first time. I really want you to experience his first snow. If possible, you know, any of the snows, he's gonna love them all. I know it. He's such a dork. He's gonna just be very confused, but very excited. Yeah, you know what? That is how it is for us all. So, Malcolm, welcome. Confusion and excitement is the way to go. And everyone, I hope you all enjoyed our Wizard and the Rogue mini-sode. This was chapter six. I I might have set them up for a heist film, so if you want it to be a heist film, tell Tracy on our mm-hmm. Discord. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's in charge <laughs> for the next chapter. Yeah. 
Yeah, Rowan, you did the thing. You did it so well. Um, I'm really excited to pick up where you left off. But thank you all so much for joining us. And remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Leah makes such exquisite, exquisite. wonderfully wonderful. No, keep going. <laughs> Handcrafted custom Handcrafted. resin die. Custom. I think I said resin because I panicked. <laughs>